Welcome to Streetwise, the podcast arm of the pitch from Kansas City, uh, covering the best, the worst, and everything in between in our great city. I'm your host, Barack Wilbur. I'm the editor-in-chief at The Pitch. This is our little show, talking about KC, covering cool KC things. That's what we do here. How was everybody's week? Uh, mine was weird. I think a lot of people in Kansas City had a weird week. It's a weird time. Uh, on Wednesday, the city entered into what Mayor Lucas is calling a soft opening. Uh, our, our, our real orders to, you know, go back into the world and, and be able to uh, participate and do the things we used to do. That's sort of set for May 15th right now. That's, that's the real cutoff. But like May 6th is when we decided to just try things and, and sort of the rules around it have been very liquid. Uh, the things keep changing left and right. Uh, the first day of it, uh, the mayor's office, uh, removed, uh, from their 10, 10, 10 plan, the last 10, the, the last 10 there was meant to represent that anytime uh, somebody is in a business for more than 10 minutes, they need to sign in uh, with contact information and so on and so forth. So that if somebody were to wind up being sick in that business, they would have people to be able to reach out to and say, hey, you might have come into contact, you know, doing sort of the tracing that we just don't have the ability to do uh, otherwise right now. And, and day one of this, it became obvious that that just wasn't going to work. Uh, it, it, it's, it's hard is in the right place, but, uh, there's, there's so much of it, including just the management of the data that the city decided not to go forward with it, which I, I understand some of the concerns there. I personally was waiting to see uh, sign in sheets at businesses that had a lot of names like Seymour butts on them, uh, because I know that people, uh, don't love when the government contract them. And I, I understand and, uh, mostly agree. Most of the time, this one seems like an outlier for me, but we'll, we'll figure that out. It is odd to see a lot of people kind of guessing as to what they should be doing right now. Uh, businesses are doing the same thing. Everyone has to make the choice whether or not to open up, whether or not people are working from home. And, and as we've seen around the rest of the country, some businesses can open up. Employees have to come back. We do, we do that whole song and dance, and then no one comes in. Uh, there is a chain of axe-throwing places. Uh, that they opened 40 stores nationwide, and uh, two people came in last weekend. Uh, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to have your business open. Also, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and everyone's worried about rent money. I'm not sure who's spending their money on uh, axe throwing right now. I guess two people. Two people is the answer on that one. Uh, we probably would not get along. So yeah, it's it's interesting to be out there in the world and see people sort of, you get the general sense that you know what the right thing to do is. And you can sort of tell the people that don't respect that. It's It's been an odd time for me personally, and I've talked about this with some of my friends, where you know in general, humanity, everybody comes with their own sets of values. And some people value others a lot, and some people value themselves and don't care that much about other people. And then there's sort of the whole spectrum there. And right now is a really interesting time because you can see a visual representation of that in the world. You can see the person that's waiting for you to get done at your spot in the grocery store. They've got their mask on. They're just being patient, waiting for you to pick out the soup that you want. I'm sorry it took me so long to figure out what soup I wanted. I wasn't particularly hungry. I, I, you know who you are. You saw me, and, and thank you. And then you'll get somebody like the guy without a mask who uh, decides to come up and brush right past you and grab the soup off the shelf. Uh, while breathing on you, uh, and you're like, come on, man. So yeah, it's, uh, it is a tricky time, and uh, 
I, I just want to make sure that we all care about our neighbors. I know that there are people that you probably see that that aren't respecting this as much as you are, and that's a difficult thing uh, to process. But I, I would like us all to remember these are failures of an institution of a much larger level. There are so many protections that the government should have offered us. There are so many different things that should have happened here. There are so many ways that this could have been mitigated and wasn't. And uh, you know what? I don't blame the guy down the street for me that I, I, I keep seeing out doing just all the wrong things. Uh, it's not his fault. We've all got to do some things that we aren't the most comfortable with right now. Uh, yeah. Odd time. Odd time for the city. Odd time for all of us. So here's hoping that next week goes better uh, or that uh, we all sort of figure out what we're doing. There's a there's a lot of interesting events and things that are popping up where it's uh, it also toes that line. It's like, well, we we can do things in the world. We just have to do them in very specific ways. My favorite of those that we found out this week is that uh, local celebrity and balloon artist Molly Balloons is now throwing a parade every Sunday night uh, at 6.30 in Volcker. We have the information on our website. Uh, the The point of the parade is to get out, have a walk, uh, have some fun, uh, bring your kids, do, do something nice. But everyone has to stay 10 feet away from each other. Everyone has to have a mask. Uh, so it, it's got the heart in the right place and a good plan for it. And it seems like it'll be a lot of fun. I think I'm going. So excited to go for like an hour-long walk and get out of the house. That'll be nice. Anyway, on today's episode, I'm talking to Adam Roberts, the owner of Screenland Theaters, or co-owner, I suppose. Uh, we're talking about what it takes to keep a theater alive when you can't have the theater open. And certainly they've got a long road of recovery ahead of them. People aren't going to be wanting to sit in an enclosed space next to strangers uh, anytime soon. Uh, so the community that him and his friends have built to keep money coming in is, uh, is delightful. Ladies and gentlemen, today on Streetwise, our guest is Adam Roberts. Adam, tell me your childhood traumas. Well, um, when I was in kindergarten, we were shaving, uh, for whatever reason, we were shaving fruits and vegetables in kindergarten, and uh, we were using peelers, and I was peeling a carrot, and I peeled off my entire fingernail, and that changed my life, and I have an aversion to everything fingernails. The worst thing that can happen to me is watching a scene in a movie where someone breaks a fingernail, a fingernail is ripped off. Or, uh, or you know, I, I also like scrape my my toe, my baby my pinky toe on, on the bottom of a pool and rip that off when I was like ten. Uh, so I have an aversion to everything toenails because I've ripped off my pinky toe and I've sliced off my left-handed uh, uh, fingernail. So there you go. You, you run Panic Fest, uh, uh, a, a a horror festival, festival that I feel like every year is mostly made up of fingernails being removed from people in almost every film. I refuse to accept actually any films with that in it. Um, yeah, no, there's a, there's, there's often, you know, just because I would be in a movie, like I love one that always comes to mind is stir of echoes. Uh, there's like a lot of flashbacks of, of, of a horrible thing happening to this, this ghost. And I won't ruin them here. Who it, who it is and how it happens. But there is a sequence that over and over, you just see this fingernail hit and break on the ground as they're trying to like fight for something. And it is, ah, oh, it is the most horrible horrible i've actually put them in my movie too i've actually made movies that had fingernail parts breaking uh so i i guess i'm attributing to the problem here i like the idea that you're like you know i come back to 
it is important that a horror filmmaker would be yeah, like, here's the, the thing, thing that disturbs me. And then, uh, forwards it on like a haunted chain mail thing. The, the, the thing, thing I've never shared, shared with you is that, that as, as a child, child uh, my family got like HBO or Showtime or something as like a free weekend. And as my mom was skipping channels one day when I was like five, four, uh, we just skipped past like a Friday the 13th or something. And, and it was just somebody's throat, throat getting slit, and it was blood shooting everywhere. everywhere. You saw it in one like one second. And as a kid, I was like, "Oh my god, what, what is, is that? that?" And my, my mom, mom uh, in a panic, was like, "It's just ketchup. It's just ketchup, and like it's it's, it's like, like pizza sauce. sauce. That's, That's what, what it is." Uh, and, and so for the rest of my life, life up until now, uh, I can't do pizza. Like it, the moment that I eat anything with marinara on it in my mouth, it turns into pennies, and it tastes like blood. And I'm like. Ah, just can't do it. Uh, it's just not a thing that I can conquer. It's like, good good save, Mom, on that one. Thank you, for horror films, for uh, ruining most pasta dishes. Uh, <laughs> so, no pizza? No, pas- no pasta? No pizza? Or- Anything that I can get in, like, a white sauce or a garlic sauce, that can happen. But, like, of course, like, in grade school, oh, uh, every time they were like, like, hey, congrats, today there's, there's a pizza party. I'm like, can I get... A Pizza Hut sandwich. It's like, okay, weirdo, you goddamn weirdo. Would you get it with like? Would you get it with like light tomato sauce? No, absolutely not. Okay, no. All of it just tastes like blood. That's what carries with me. Adam, tell our audience who you are and what you do. I am Adam Roberts. I am one of the owners operators of Screenland Armor Theater and Tapcade in the Crossroads. I also co-founded Panic Fest, and I sometimes make movies. And, and, and and this theater, theater is, is a historic landmark in Kansas, Kansas City that you saved. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, well, I can't take full credit. So um, 1928 is when the theater actually opened. It was one of the first few theaters in all of Kansas City. Uh, it was a, a, a movie palace, as they called them back then. It, you know, sat almost 500 people. There was a balcony. You know, it was one flat level. There was no stadium seating at the time. Everybody just kind of looked up at the screen or you looked down at the screen. Uh, and it showed silent films, and then eventually it, it showed the talkies, as it were. Um, and it's been a number of things over the years. The, uh, the Center Theater, the Armor Theater, and the Paradise Theater, and then now the Screenland Theater. Um, Screenland founder Butch Rigby actually uh, made a partnership to take over the building in 2007 and rehabbed it. Uh, it was a country music opry house, actually, for a number of years after the, the theater shut down. And... Uh, and then he re- and it was closed for a while after that, and it was just boarded up and this eyesore on the main street. And uh, Butch <laughs> redeveloped it and, and brought the, the single screen back, put put in the stadium seating, and it, but it was still that single screen. And then uh, Brent and I took it over in 2012 from him, and we, you know, since then there was a, a second theater added on, there was a third and fourth theater added on, and the programming changed. You know, we, the seating style changed kind of the, the, the vibe and the heart and soul of the theater kind of found itself uh, by our uh, our willpower, I guess, and uh, and love of cinema. So, yeah, I guess, uh, and then, you know, we, we went digital, and, and a lot of our successes have been because of the community. Um, just, you know, this past week, we had a, a very successful uh, 12-hour-long marathon fundraiser, and uh, which you were a part of, and, uh, and a lot of that success was friends and family who loved the theater, and want to support it and then of course donors which are from all over the city or the country that just love our theater and what we do so 
So yeah, um, we do our part for the Kansas City community, and, and I think they do their part in ensuring that we're still here. You know, we're one of the last few. There's not really a lot of independent theaters, and then when you talk about non, uh, when you take out the nonprofits from that equation, there's very few, you know, theaters owned independently at all in the entire country. I mean, you're talking like less than 150 total, like not, you know, just single owners, independent theaters like ours. Very right. rare. It's a very rare thing. You know, a lot of people we know own restaurants and bars or clothing stores or, or maybe are photographers or things like that. Um, there's a reason why there's not a lot of people that we know opening movie theaters. It's because it costs a lot of money and you don't make a lot of money. But uh, but you get to watch a lot of movies. So that's cool. So uh, the situation that you're in is that you've rehabbed the thing that's important to the city. You're not one of the 18 AMCs that are in the city, which also AMC is currently in a place where they are. Uh, on the brink, the brink of bankruptcy, bankruptcy like nationwide, which is fascinating. And a fascinating time for them to take on like a war with the studios about what they're releasing on VOD, which is fascinating and fun in its own way. Uh, but you have a very specific obstacle, which is that your theaters, and I suppose theaters in general, but especially what your job is, was that uh, you had to shut down Amongst the, the earliest, earliest round of, of like, like businesses that needed to shut, shut down, and you will not be one of the businesses to open up on the other side of this for a while. And even when you do, like it is one of those things that for months and months or perhaps next year, people will not want to go into a small enclosed space with a bunch of other people. Uh, and and even with that being an issue, the thing that we're seeing now is that a lot of major film releases are also just getting just like pushed back months and months on end. So like, even if you do open and people are willing to brave the thing, uh, there's very few things for them to brave it for. What, what kind of position does that put you in? <laughs> it's interesting because, uh, you know, almost I've been a business owner for almost a decade and there's been a lot of ups and downs and that's just a, that's just the cost of doing business. But there's been a lot of, you know, for every great success we've had, we've had very, very close to complete failures uh, that almost, you know, took us completely out of it. Um, and, you know, one of those actually was, so in 2018, we did the expan the full expansion. So we added the two screens on, the bigger kitchen, more lobby, all the stuff that was much needed for where we were. And we did a lot of that out of pocket. We didn't take, we did take some loans because equipment loans are very expensive, you know, seating, sound, projectors, et cetera. Um, but... But uh, we did a lot of out-of-pockets, and, uh, and 2019 was a great year for us. It, it was our biggest year ever. Um, we, we did great business. Well, the city loves you. Absolutely, they, they come, come out, out for everything, everything that you do, and you do such, such cool, cool, interesting, interesting events. events. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, we almost didn't make it in, 20, in the early 2019. You know, we opened the, the expansion September 2018 um, after we blew through. You know, we, we had a good summer of 2018, and that helped us, but... It, it's very expensive. You know, Brent and I have always kind of done things ourselves. You know, we hire some crews where we can, but um, we're still a small operation trying to pretend like we're one of the big players. And uh, and uh, we had, when we opened that expansion, we spent, you know, all of our, our savings to do it. We basically were faced with the worst fall box office. It was horrible Oscar season. It was, there was no Star Wars movie. There was no big anchor <laughs> movies. And, and, and on top of that, we, we started 2019 with snowstorm after snowstorm after snowstorm on the weekends. And, and so both of our businesses were suffering from that from, you know, we, most, most of our business comes from Thursday through Saturday. 
and uh, and they were just closed. And we were, I mean, it was looking pretty grim. Uh, but we came back. We had a terrific 2019. The beginning of 2020 was like great. Panic Fest was the biggest it had ever been. We had a, we had a great Oscar run. We were doing a lot of unique events. Our program was better than ever. I think we were looking at one of the even with the box office schedule to be not not as great. We were looking at a good year of programming and being very creative and kind of hit just we were really truly just starting after nine years hitting our stride with everything. And everything was starting to get smooth. And then this all happened and kind of took all those successes away from us and put us in a position where the cost of operations is just so high. And when we look at the calendar and we don't see a new movie till July 17th, that's exactly to the date four months after we closed our doors. Um, that's insane. I mean, we're, we're already like today, we're at, compared to last year, already at the 300,000, approaching 300,000 lost revenue, which is just you know, how do we make that up? There is no making that up. You can't inflate your prices to make that up or you're going to lose customers. Right. You know, if anything, when we, when we open, we're going to have to lower our ticket prices, which we already have the lowest, you know, we have one of the lowest tickets in all the city. So we're going to be lowering just to get people's confidence back so they, they do come out and try something new. But, you know, all of us in the industry are looking 12 to 24 months before we really see the return that we had in 2019 of those audiences. And I do think people want to get back. I do think people are ready to get off their couch. I think if anything, just like you know, uh, analog things like video games, vinyl records, tapes, all that stuff have had a resurgence. I do think the resurgence of going to the movies is going to happen. I think people are are, are ready. To, I think this might hurt streaming actually in the long run because we are all having streaming burnout. No one's ever, you know, it's like the joke. Uh, I, I've I, I've seen all the internet, or I've reached the bottom of you porn. Now what, you know, uh, that, we're all in that position of like, we're burned out sitting on our couch. You know, I will still watch movie after movie, but I would much rather be doing it every time in a theater. Uh, but you're right. The, the question is, when will people be ready to sit next to a stranger in a dark room for two hours? I don't know. And even with all the precautions, you know, we could take someone's temperature and all that stuff. But if they're asymptomatic, it doesn't matter, right? If, if all these people are asymptomatic, we're, we're still looking at... Uh, spreading this thing so we, we really don't know uh, you know it, it's there's so many question marks and, and we've looked at everything people are like you should do drive-ins and outdoor screenings I'm like I would love to but I feel like that is a horrible idea of me just inviting people that are inevitably gonna get out of the car and not listen or they're gonna you know what does the bathroom situation look like we really make all of our money on concessions also, so how, how do you do, you do, do a, a drive-in drive like right? that's, that's not yeah. what you own uh, <laughs> you know, we do have we've done a number of to go uh, uh, outside screenings, but we don't we have a small PA that works at like you know we've done last year we've done at Grinders we've done at Chicken and Pickle we've done at Bar K Belvoir Winery all these places, um, but it's meant for people to be sitting outside not in their cars. So we would have to find a partnership with some kind of radio station and, and figure out those logistics. What do tickets look like? How do all of us make money? And the, the truth is, is we probably don't if we do that. We, and we might do it, but just to do it, a lot of the stuff I'm doing is just because if I don't do that, I'm doing nothing. And at least I'm keeping the conversation of movies alive, of Screenland alive, uh, which is better than the alternative. Uh, you know, a lot of businesses right now have no way to generate revenue and they have no way to keep their customers engaged. And uh, most theaters don't. You know, I talk to all the theaters almost every day and I'm on message boards and, and we chat. And there's a lot of radio silence. A lot of people are, you know, they don't have the willpower. They don't have the know-how. They're not able to pivot. Like two days after we did this, within a week, I launched Screenland Online, which hosts now 30 plus uh, movies you can rent online. And we get a portion of those tickets. 
30 films I would have played in, in one of our theaters had this not all been happening. We also have our Patreon where we host like podcasts, watch parties, we have blogs, we have special guests, we have all sorts of cool stuff. And then we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a that's a big part, part of what you're doing, doing is that, that you've, you've, you've found, found a way, a way to, to keep your community alive. alive. And the community was, was always important in this way that like, like mm-hmm. yeah, so, so, so many of your films, Panic Fest and outside of that, have always been not only just like, oh, I can see this in a theater, but have also been events in a way that like our little brother through Big Brothers and Big Sisters, we took him to see. Face Off, that, that was introed by the oh, screenwriter of The Guest, guest. Uh, and, and it was so important because it gave context to him about, about like, why this movie was bad and good. Like, like the, he was able to be like, like oh, uh, you know, know watch, watch for every time somebody touches somebody else's face, face rubs, rubs their hand down. down. And so and by so the time we got to the action movie from the 90s Face Off, uh, uh, this 13 year old that we love was like, like oh, oh my god, god. I, I see it and I love it, it. and I think it's one of my favorite movie going experiences of all time, time. Uh, and, and that, that represents, represents so much of what you guys do, do. So, so you have found, found a way to take this uh, online, do you want to talk, talk about, about the sort of content that you guys are putting up especially like live reads and such yeah, I mean that screening was awesome I just have to touch on it real quick Simon Barrett, he wrote your next, he wrote The Guest they did the Blair Witch film together. Blair uh, Witch, which he doesn't want us to credit, credit but we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it. <laughs> I, I like it. I think it's a. I think it's eighty percent a really good Blair Witch entry. I think. Uh, <laughs> I think after the first twenty minutes or so, I, I think I, it's a roller coaster ride of awesomeness. Um, but uh, that was a great screening because I wanted him to come in and do your next, and, and uh, Simon's from Columbia, Missouri, and that's where they, they shot your next. Um, and he comes to Kansas City often. He's got friends and family here, and. Uh, I was like, hey, let's watch your next. He's like, I'd rather just watch anything else. I was like, well, what do you want to watch? And he sent me this crazy list of movies, and I was like, I, I, I do appreciate somebody that's like, like, hey, I can't watch my, my own thing. thing. Like, like, it's like, it's difficult, difficult to sell, sell it if, if we're, we're just, just you introing something, something from, from the, the 90s, 90s instead. Yeah. It's yeah. a difficult place to be. The list he sent was just like insane. I was like, well, no one's coming to any of these except for probably Face Off. And so we did face off and he did a great like hour long introduction and, and his uh, response to it. But, but yeah, um, uh, what we've, you know, what, what I've always tried to do is like bring things that I love and what other people who work with us love and are passionate about and have conversations and show them in the best way possible. And if we can have the filmmakers in, or if we can have somebody that's, you know, been imp- impacted by it or has a good perspective of it so we can have a post discussion, you know, because uh, movies have always been that to me. Even if I watch them myself, I'm like reading about it. I want to talk about it. I'm looking it up. You know, I'm, I'm impacted by that. And uh, and so having the community and the conversation around film has always been important. So, you know, trying to be varied on Patreon has been interesting. So we do a weekly podcast. Uh, we do staff, depending on the level, you, you would see some of this. You would not see other other bits of it, but. We do. We've done uh, one live read, which was a lot of fun. We did the unmade duel of the fates. Uh, what was going to be episode nine by Colin Trevero, who actually was kind enough to reach out oh, to oh, Star Wars, Wars. So, for yeah, people that don't know. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, the director he directed and wrote Jurassic World and uh, Safety Not Guaranteed, and he saw it and reached out and like was like, "Thank you for doing." It. He he listened and watched it. It was really cool and really nice. And he was like very taken aback by it because the script had just leaked a couple weeks before. Uh, but we've been doing, you know, watch parties. We, we've given people homework. We've been doing chats, you know, on Star Wars Day. We did a, a full day of Discord where we gave, we had two double features. People can tune in live and chat with us. Um, and, and yeah, we're just trying to keep the conversation about around movies alive and well and give people something unique 
Yeah, the watch parties have been fun because usually it's like, oh, this movie's playing this weekend. Everyone knows the release date's coming out, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but with the watch parties, it's like, well, we got to get creative. Um, so here's what we chose. Uh, you're going to watch this with us or not, but uh, we're assigning this movie as if it were homework. And then let's all either watch it together or meet after and chat about it. Um, you know, we did the Beastie Boys documentary last week uh, because I'm a big Beastie Boys fan. And I loved it, and, and there was, it was fun, you know, even even if only like five people show up, it's still fun to talk with just five people. But really just, you know, trying to bring the community together, because there's so many people in the city that uh, truly love movies and love making movies and love talking about movies. So, uh, and there's no other outlet, you know, there's nothing really on the entire country. We're like, as far as I can tell, we're the only theater that's doing a lot of this stuff. It is very it's funny, funny that, that you talk, talk about, about it like, like homework, homework, especially in a time where... where um, all schools are canceled or are digital, so you are actually like doing the same thing as a high school would be doing at this point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Except most high schools have funding still, and you do not. And uh, boy, there is a, uh, a waterfall at the end of the. <laughs> you you can see the the horizon line drop off, and you're like, okay, uh, we need help to get beyond that. <laughs> yeah. So that's been like the interesting thing, I think, not just for us, but for all businesses. Um, you know, the CARES Act was passed at, at the last weekend in March, and it was supposed to provide some level of relief for uh, employees and employers. And what we really got out of that was the government wants to mitigate unemployment. And that's what the payroll protection <laughs> PPP is, uh, which is fine. Like, I, I am totally fine with that. But there's no actual there's going to be a tremendous amount of businesses lost, big and small. I mean, you mentioned AMC and, and you know, all those big chains. I mean, Quite frankly, all movie theaters are in jeopardy. Like our co the cost of operating is just so high. You know, we have huge square footage. We all have taken out loans in the last couple of years to buy new equipment, buy new seats, buy new this and that, trying to get the bells and whistles. You know, AMC's issue is that they, they they're aggressive with expansion and and uh, and changing out technology, and those come at, at a very high price. You know, they, when this all started, they just released their their previous quarter, and their quarter was horrible. They lost you know billions of dollars and. And now they're trying to stay afloat in a time when there's no way for them to make money. You know, they're not going curbside. They're not doing a Patreon. There's no, there's nothing for them. You know, what are they going to do? Curbside AMC, AMC sounds, sounds great to me where, where they, they just give you like, like a Netflix DVD and like some popcorn. popcorn like, yeah. You know, you know so, fuck uh, off. You know, I don't know. There's a, they're, not, they're also not a business that's going to be saved, right? They're not, they're not big banks, you know, they're getting bailed out. They're not, even the they're auto, not autos. Yeah, they're not automotive. They're not, they're not things we absolutely need there's no reason for a bailout to happen for them and it probably won't happen um and, and there's no bailout for any, any of us small businesses you know whether you're a restaurant bar a, a little salon or anything like that there's none of the loans that have been issued and available by the, by the governments by and large won't help keep anybody's business what it'll do is get people off unemployment pay a little bit of your utilities for a month or maybe two months a lot of us are already getting backdated on debt and that's it. And then, and then you're on your own again. And hopefully by June 1st or June 30th, whatever your date is, everything's fine. We're going back to, to, to normal, which we all know is not the case. Um, so, so, you know, that's the biggest frustration. And I'm sure my uh, state and local reps are tired of hearing and seeing my emails and my phone pop up. But <laughs> that's the only thing you could really do. Like if you want to, if you want to, as a person listening to this, help small business, whether, whether it's, you know, the pitch Screenland or you know torn label everybody's affected everyone's cost you know nobody's used to being closed you know some businesses take a week right. off 
we are a business that is 365 seven days a week. We, you know, I will rarely close for a snowstorm. I will go in, I'll send my employees home. I will go there and try to work. And if no one shows up, I'll close a little early, but we just don't, we can't, the, the cost of, of doing business is just frankly too high. And as each day goes by and things get further, even with us doing things like the online rentals, popcorn to go and Patreon, we're talking like a couple thousand dollars, you know, our bottom line of the month just to stay afloat without employees, not making a dime ourselves, is like $34,000. You know, we, we bust our ass for a 12 hour marathon and we did, we made some money on that. We did, you know, 16 grand, which is nothing to bat an eye at. It's very good. We're very, we're very grateful for everyone at support with that. But it's just the start of, of a long uphill battle on the road to recovery, not just for movie theaters, but for all businesses. And so we need to be angry. We need to be yelling at all these people in, in charge that are like, screw it, go back to work. Uh, who cares if your mom <laughs> or your grandma dies or you die in the process? Go make those pennies. Keep keep the ball rolling. And uh, and it's just kind of an insane thing. We, we, uh, we, we get, get it because like, like our, our extension was like, like we're, we're, we're selling a coloring, coloring book. book. And, and like, like that brought in a couple of grand. And you're like, wow, that, that really, really matters. matters. It, it really helps. helps. Our bottom line is still so many tens of thousands of dollars above that per month, just like yours. That's like, it is a drop in the bucket that is nice, but it's still a drop in the bucket. And I feel like everyone is probably in that same place. What, what is your, as, as we close this out, what is your pitch for why theaters matter and why people should be donating toward it now? So movie theaters, uh, you know, to me that they, they were they were kind of like the thing that let me escape, you know, kind of a rocky childhood and, and you know escape into whatever I wanted to pick off a blockbuster shelf or if, if I could save a couple bucks I could go to the movie theater and I could see something with my friends, you know, like movie theaters were a lot of moments, you know, the first girl I really kissed in a movie theater, probably the first dry hump in a movie theater, you know, like we were kids <laughs> in the nineties, like you know, a lot of my moments and then just but like truthfully whether it was in front of me or behind, you know, on the side of me, uh, movies like kind of raised me and, and you know taught me to, this art form that I really love and I wanted to make and, and became obsessed with and I love talking about. And and I think when when people hear someone like Kevin Smith or Quentin Tarantino or Christopher Nolan, these people that are huge and larger than life figures, they talk about movies like like people talk about great art, and that's because movies are great art. The, you know, even even something like trash cinema, you know, like the dirtiest horror film, like you know, Sleepaway Camp or something. It's it's an escape for somebody. There's something to pick apart. There's something to talk about. And it's as good and relevant as something like Parasite that is, you know, meant to be chewed upon. Like It is an escape of all, all escapes. And whether you're looking to be educated or whether you're looking to just, you know, shut off the lights, drink a beer, have some popcorn and forget, you know, all this coronavirus stuff. They're important escapes. It's an art form that everybody associates with. It's like music. If you take away music, can you imagine a world where there's no music? If after this whole thing gets down, if, if like 80% of all musicians are just done and off and gone, there's no Spotify, there's no there's no concert venues. Um, you know, concert venues are in the same kind of bed too. Like their costs are enormous. And, and so if all that's gone, where is all like the accessible art? You know, everyone... Everyone we know has a, 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 a Netflix account and probably sees a movie or two a year. Um, and, and their parents and grandparents probably grew up going to the movies all the time. Like that was 
that was the thing you did. That was what we saved up for. We went out, you know, got, got some ice cream or had, had a, you know, a burger and went and saw a movie. And then we talked about that movie all day. And then sometimes you're like, damn it, I need to see this movie again. And then you watch the Empire Strikes Back 10 times in theaters or whatever it was, you know, Jurassic Park <laughs> or whatever it was. So movies are art and art, you know, influences society and is influenced by society. And for me, it's the conversation I have every day. Um, and it's a conversation I want to have every day. It's, it's what drives me to, to, you know, help the community, to help filmmakers, to help my, my, uh, you know, my neighbors, everything. It's like, you know, I learn from it. I, I, I give back from it. I, I don't know. It's, it's just like this. And it's in, in particular going to the movies is just this thing that's cannot be replaced. Cause I, I guess people could make an argument. Well, Netflix can have all that. So movie theaters can close, but Netflix the problem with streaming, the problem with watching movies at home has always been that you could hit play, hit eject, turn it off. You could walk away from it. When you spend that, you know, the money and you buy that ticket and you set your sights and you clear your schedule for two or three hours or whatever it's going to be and you make the drive to the movie theater and, you, you know, you buy the beer or the soda and, and the pretzel or whatever you're going to get and you go into that, that theater and you sit down and you carefully pick your seat um, and you get there on time before the previews and you don't, uh, you know, ruin it for anybody – when you do those and you make all these choices and you sit down and those lights and it goes dark and the trailers come on, everybody in that room knows the etiquette, right? Whether they're falling or not, at Screenland, pretty much all of our customers are great at, at movie, movie etiquette. We don't have to beat them over the head with it. They know to be quiet and keep things to themselves and keep their phones off. And what happens when that goes down is it, is it just like like a drop of a hat you know, or a snap of the finger, people be quiet and, and they, they pay attention, they perk up, they watch the trailers and that's kind of like your last few chances to get a, a, a line of dialogue out, to run to the bathroom, to get your extra beer. And then when you see that feature presentation and or you know whatever the studio logo is, you know you're in for a treat, you know you're in for a ride that, that you were sold. And if you watch the trailer, maybe you know a little bit that's coming. But for me, who avoids as many tra trailers as I can, I have no idea what I'm about to get, get into. And, uh, and then for the next, you know, two or three hours, I'm watching this thing unfold that's going to change my trajectory my entire day. And, and, you know, whether it's a great movie or a movie I'm not so fond of, I'm going to leave. I'm going to want to talk about it. You know, some of the movies I'm not so fond of, I might talk about more. And it's not me hating on them. It's like a lot of times I'm like, shit, did I actually like this movie? I felt like I didn't like it. But the more I talk about it, the more I talk about it with you, the more I'm like, this movie is awesome. But it all comes from this experience of sitting down in the dark with strangers. You know, you laugh. Oh shit! I maybe I wouldn't have laughed at that at home, or this movie is a little slow. I would have fallen asleep or turned off and not given the chance. But because I'm in a theater that and I don't have those opportunities, and this person in front of me is you know laughing their ass off and it's causing me to laugh more, or you know a scary movie and it's like tense and tense and tense, and then something happens and we all jump up and it's like we have this like ha 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 moment because we all had that same feeling. You can't get that at your house, no matter how hard you try, no matter how big your screen is, no matter how many K's are involved in the picture you're not going to get the same experience there's no you're not leaving to to go to a thing. it's like listening to a record and then going to see it played live it's a totally different experience it's so unique to that even if the content itself is the same you're gonna digest it differently you're gonna it's just gonna be a whole different process so movie theaters are you know a lot of people's church it is like going to a museum every day it's a different museum and then you know for me it's it's never like some people do just walk out of the movie and they're like, all right, that was great. And they never think about it again. But for a lot of us, I think we go to the, we experience it and whatever we are seeing, we're excited to get out and talk about, to, you know, sit down and go have dinner, have an interview, hang out in the lobby and chat about what the 
freak we just watched. And, uh, and that's the experience of going to the movies. And that's something that cannot be replicated. You know, there's nothing like, you know, you watch a comedy special at your house by yourself. Fine. You're probably gonna laugh a little bit. Be there during the taping, be there live. It's, it's a totally different experience and it's something that just can't be replicated even if the content's the exact same. So you need to support movie theaters. You need to support, you know, concert venues. You need to have these avenues for film and music to be there when this is all over because right now we're all getting by with movies and TV. We're all getting by with this content. Right. The problem with streaming is streaming doesn't really put out residuals. It doesn't really help the studios. It definitely doesn't help the filmmakers. You know, see, no one makes movies to watch, even if it was made for Netflix or whatever it is. No filmmaker is making something so you can pause and watch it on your TV or turn it off and give it a shitty Rotten Tomatoes review. We're making it so you see it, in it on, on the big screen. Like, they saw the movies that inspired them to make that picture. Whether it's good or bad, that's what people make movies for. And that's why I like to show movies. And that's why I like to talk about movies because they're influential. They're inspiring. They're... Uh, you know, it's it's the getaway. It's it's all these things, and and uh, and it's one of my favorite things to do. And and, and just like going to my favorite like restaurant, if at the end of this all these places are gone, it's going to be a, a world that's not worth living in. So my so takeaway take is, is that, that you uh, are semi fond of film. film. Is that, is that a... no? Actually, no. I, I'm a big. Uh, I have a the Hulu Basic account, so I get like one one commercial, and then I get to watch whatever it is. Um, but I do Before have a we hang out today, today, can you, can you tell, tell people, people where, where they, they can, can uh, support, support you guys, guys at? at? Yeah, so I mean, as I mentioned before, ScreenlandOnline.com, there's a bunch of stuff there. So if we're ever doing anything, I try to put it at the top of the page or, or there's going to be a, its own tab there. Um, but right now there's between 25 and 30 films on and off, uh, all sorts of things on there you can find that are really good from anime to documentaries to, to foreign and in, independent things, things you might have not seen, things that I really believe in and I like and I think is... I try to have as much varied content on there, and they're, they're from a dollar to to twelve dollars to rent, just like you would at home. Uh, but a portion of that comes back to us. Uh, you can also buy a gift card and a donate, make a donation on there as well. But uh, and learn about our Patreon. But that, that's the hub, Screenland Online. You know, we, we also do a lot of free events uh, that you can find on our Facebook. I make events like this weekend. Uh, the Rizza's hosting uh, Shaolin versus Wu Tang, um, and nice. a screening of that. Uh, so we're always doing something. Um, so follow us on Facebook. I know people are like, oh, I hate Facebook. But you can still look at the events without having an account. Um, and then ScreenlandOnline.com is where like things that are going to live long after uh, we, we host them will be. Adam, Adam we, will we will see you, see you on, on the, the other, other side. side. All right. I hope so. I hope I'm the weird guy next to you that's like getting real nervous because the movie's taking some turns. I, I'm unsure about those turns. So my legs... I'm sorry about my leg, but I can't stop because I'm getting real nervous. I'm getting real sweaty. Wish I put a little extra deodorant on. All right, I'll see you. I, I, I think you've been that, that guy, guy for me before. before. So, so yeah, yeah, I, I look, look forward to you being that guy for me again. again. <laughs> All right, thanks for having me, Ray. Thank, Thank you. you. I was part of a fundraiser uh, live stream event with them on Saturday where for 12 hours they were showing movies and having panels and playing fun game shows and stuff. Uh, me and Jeremy Danner, uh, who is from Four Hands Brewing Company and is somebody you, you probably know, uh, we uh, did a, a version of the talk show Hot Ones, uh, which is where people try to continue a, a talk show while uh, having increasingly spicy hot sauces uh, on uh uh, our version was to put them on some uh, chicken wings. Um, 
the 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 last hot sauce uh, is one that is featured on the TV show uh, that is famous for making Shaquille O'Neal cry. And I don't know why me and Jeremy Danner thought we could go into that event and be stronger than Shaquille O'Neal, but we were not. And I'm I'm going to be honest with you, I. I, I drove home and I did not leave bed for a day, like a whole day. That's how much a couple drops of this hot sauce really knocked me out. If you can see the live stream uh, online, they've, they've, they've put it up on the website and you can watch it. Around the nine hour mark is where me and Jeremy really get into this. And uh, for seven minutes straight, you can just see my face contort as if I'd just seen God. Uh, and, and then chug a half gallon of milk. Uh, which probably didn't help my stomach either. Uh, so that was that's a fun time, and we had a a wonderful time helping raise thirteen thousand dollars in one day uh, for this local theater that we care so much about. Uh, so that's my interview later in the episode. But right now, it's time for Nick's music corner. Hello, I'm Nick Spacek, music editor for The Pitch, and I'm here with this week's local music recommendation. On Friday, May 8th, Shiner returns with Schadenfreude, the band's first album in 19 years. When I spoke with the band's frontman, Alan Epley, for the feature which is in this month's edition of The Pitch, he described the writing process for the new LP as being different from past recordings, which were mostly created by Epley. The album's first track, In the End, came from the newly collaborative process, beginning with a verse section written by guitarist Josh Newton. Epley liked it so much he immediately wrote a middle for the song, and the band was off to the races. In the end is the perfect cut on which to begin Schadenfreude. It has that Shiner sound where the music is very big and very resonant, but then the lyrical content is very dark. It's as heavy as the band has ever been, but the melody really shines through, despite opening with a line which says, Every living thing dies alone. Take a listen for yourself.
Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the Streetwise Podcast from The Pitch KC. You can find all of our material up at thepitchkc.com. Uh, check out what we're up to, pick up a copy of the new issue, which is out in the world right now, or you can read it digitally on our website. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell your friends about us. Please, if you can find a few dollars in your couch, toss us some change to keep the pitch alive and going through this because we're, we're suffering just like everyone else. Uh, thank you so much for being here, and I will see you next Friday.